Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 2nd, 2016, a Friday edition of of the Locked On Magic Podcast. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com and got a little bit of a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Serge Ibaka and his improvement throughout the season so far this year as well as talk extensively about last night's game, the Orlando Magic falling to the Memphis Grizzlies in unfortunately familiar and disappointing fashion, 95-94 to at the FedEx Forum. Uh, I'll talk about that. I'll recap that game as well as talk a little bit about a major point, I think, that's coming from that game that's been, a unfortunately, a consistent theme for the Magic throughout the last four years. Before we get going, it is the end of the week, so I do want to remind everyone that you can subscribe to the podcast, check out all the great episodes from this week. You missed the preview episode we did with Jeff Garcia of Locked on Spurs. Want to relive the happier days from Tuesday when the Magic defeated the San Antonio Spurs? You can go back into the archives on Audioboom, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those places. Subscribe to the podcast there. You'll get the podcast automatically downloaded onto your, if you're if you're doing it on iTunes, straight to your phone, straight to your uh, iTunes account. Uh, you can get it all downloaded uh, directly to your your uh, podcast-enabled listening device through uh, iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And of course, we do appreciate all the reviews, all the good words that, that you've, you've given us. It's been a fantastic week on Locked on Magic. And now that December started, I want to thank all of you. Thank you all for, for making this show so great and participating in the program. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. You can always follow me on Twitter at Daily as well. And you can like us now on Facebook at Locked on Magic. I share links from the articles that I'm discussing on the show as well as do some other uh, good stuff on there as well with some stuff going on around the Locked on Podcast Network. So let's rip off the Band-Aid, get right into it. The Orlando Magic fall to the Memphis Grizzlies 95-94 to at the FedEx Forum. A, uh, unfortunately, a familiar and disappointing loss for the Orlando Magic. They led by, uh, I believe it was 13 points, 13 or 14 points with about six minutes to play. And then all of a sudden, the wheels started to come off. Memphis pressed, which the Magic were not prepared for, very clearly not prepared for. Uh, they turned the ball over a lot. They had 18 turnovers, um, a lot of them. In the fourth quarter, uh, let me pull up the fourth quarter stats here real fast while I stall. Um, they had 18 turnovers in the game, led only to 11 points, but it was the empty possessions that really hurt. Six of those turnovers in the fourth quarter. Uh, Orlando just throwing the ball around a little bit too much. Tony Allen, I think, had three steals in about a minute and a half. Picked up six, seven points right there. Cut that lead in half, and all of a sudden, this was a basketball game. And the Magic... They didn't execute poorly on the offensive end. I don't think that was necessarily the case. They just missed shots. Um, Nikola Vucevic had a three-pointer with about 20 seconds left that would have turned a one-point game into a four-point game. Memphis calls timeout. They get the ball into Marcus Gasol. Bismack Biombo, for some unknown reason, had his hand wrapped around his waist, gets called for the foul. Gasol puts the Grizzlies up one, and the Magic 
it being their poor offensive execution and this being one of the worst offenses in the league. Do not even get a shot off. Uh, Evan Fournier comes off of a pin down, uh, has a look, decides to drive, gets into the paint, gets stymied, passes it back out to Ibaka, passes it to Peyton. Peyton passes up a shot, tries to drive in, tries to squeeze a pass to Fournier, who's just kind of standing there in the way, um, and turns the ball over one more time. Nikola Vucevic standing out on the three-point line, completely wide open again. That's just one play of many that cost the Magic this game. And really, to me, this was more about the way the Memphis Grizzlies played than necessarily the way the Magic eventually ended the game. The Magic didn't execute well on the offensive end, and they let go of the rope a little bit on the defensive end, to be perfectly honest. They gave up 30 points in the fourth quarter. They, I mean, they gave this game away. Uh, but defensively, they did decently. They challenged shots. They, they, you know, they weren't dominant like they were. They weren't sharp like they were Tuesday night for sure. And I think the Magic probably didn't take the Grizzlies as seriously as they could have. Of course, Grizzlies without Mike Conley, who's hurt. Um, they were without Zach Randolph. They were without Chandler Parsons. They were out without Vince Carter. They've got a skeleton crew, and and they know it. And they played like it. They played hard, and they had the lead for a good chunk of the first half. Then the Magic took that lead back. Uh, they uh, they took the lead really in the third quarter. They opened up that big that big deficit in the fourth quarter, and it felt like the kind of game where you know the Magic didn't play their best, but they buckled down. They made they got a lot of stops, especially early in that fourth quarter and throughout the third quarter. Only fifteen uh, nineteen fifteen advantage in the third quarter. So the Magic again the defense largely did its job. Ninety five points should be a win. Uh, Memphis did have a point did have a, a, a offensive rating that was higher than the Magic's season average, so didn't completely do their job, but, you know, again, gave them a chance to win, and the way the Magic were playing offense for much of this game, uh, it's, it's a game they should have won. They, they, shoot, uh, shoot, uh, they shoot pretty well in this game uh, overall, so I, I don't think that the Magic can be too upset with the way that they played at the end of the day. Um I'm trying to make sure I have the correct stats here because uh, it's not loading for me right now, which is annoying. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but, you know, the Magic had this game in their hands. They really did. And Memphis took it from them. Orlando gave it away and Memphis took it from them. And and what's really lacked from the Magic so far this year is, is that killer instinct. And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a little bit. Uh, but the Magic shoot 44.6% from the floor. They get to the line 31 times, 22 for 31 from the foul line. They left a few points on there, uh, but the turnovers were killer. 18 turnovers, five turnovers from Bismack Biombo. He could not catch the basketball at all tonight. Uh, Evan Fournier had three. DJ Augustin had three. Alfred Payton had three. So you're getting turnovers from guys that are supposed to be scoring scoring you know pretty, pretty easily. Um, Memphis... They shoot only 41.8% from the floor. Orlando did a generally good job. Marcus all 25 points, three, uh, two rebounds, three assists was the big was the big problem. But generally, the Magic were able to do what they wanted defensively until that last quarter, until, uh, except for the first quarter. But until the fourth quarter, it, it felt like the Magic were in control of the game. And, and then they just kind of let it go and let it slide and slip away. And that's honestly the most disappointing part because we've seen Magic, the Magic lose games like this for the last four years. Um, I'll, I'll get into that in just a little bit um, uh, as, as I kind of again recap this game, but the beauty of the NBA, and it is the, it is the beauty of the NBA, is there's always another game 
right around the corner. The Orlando Magic will not have time to stew on this loss, a disappointing loss to an undermanned Grizzlies team that played its heart out. Um, that's that's what you expect from the Memphis Grizzlies, to be frank. Uh, they get another opportunity Friday night. They travel to the Philadelphia 76ers, a well-rested Philadelphia 76ers team. They had their game Wednesday postponed because of moisture underneath the floor, and now the Magic will have to take on a, a, a Sixers team that's given them problems, but a Sixers team that's still eminently beatable uh, if the Magic, you know, play with intensity, play with energy, and and take care of business. Uh, that is a huge game now for the Magic. Um, you know, we, we were dreaming of a 3-0 start with the way the schedule was setting up and, and the opportunity and opponent that the Magic were facing, and now we're sitting here thinking, okay, get to 2-1 and one and you're, you're still set, but lose these two games after winning the Spurs game, and all of a sudden you're thinking like, who is this team? Who are Who is this Magic team? Do they just play up and down to their opponents? And how are they going to win consistently doing that? Now, again, that's something mediocre teams do. They play up and down to their opponents. Uh, and, and so the Magic got up to play San Antonio. They didn't get up to play Memphis. They better be up and angry to play Philadelphia. They better be up and angry to play Philadelphia because that is a game that they have to win in order to make the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, Memphis is probably going to finish uh, finish with a better record than the Magic, uh, when they get all their players back, they they you know they know what they're doing. They're they're a veteran squad that's played together for a long time. Um, this isn't a loss that's going to necessarily kill the Magic. It, it's certainly it's an opportunity loss, but it's not going to kill them when it comes to the standings. Other teams are going to lose to Memphis too. Losing to the Sixers is a loss that you can't get back. And no offense to Philadelphia, they're better than they were before. But losing to Philadelphia is going it has a little bit more of a sting because that's like. That's like parring a par five. That's like uh, in, in a PGA Tour tournament. That's like hitting a bogey on a par five. The pros just do not do that, and it's it's like giving away two strokes instead of one. Uh, so um, that's that's got to be the mentality that 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 Friday is something of a must win, or at least a win to to wash out the bad taste of this game. Uh, get. Uh, just get things moving in the right direction. And of course, Sunday, they play the Detroit Pistons. I haven't watched Detroit very much since the first game. I think there's a small possibility that Reggie Jackson could be back for that game. So Detroit could be in a little bit of a transition phase too. But we know what the Pistons are capable of. They destroyed the Magic earlier in the season. It's a different Magic team than it was then. uh, But obviously, another big Eastern Conference opponent that the Magic need to try and be ready for. Just running through the final stats of this game before I move on to uh, our next topic. Now, Serge Ibaka, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 4 block shots, really good defensively, not as strong offensively, missed missed all four of his three-point attempts. Most of them were good looks. Um, that's, you know, uh, you can't complain about missing good looks. Evan Fournier, the star of the night, 28 points, 11 for 14, shooting 3 for 5 from beyond the arc, 4 assists for him. He was the Magic's offense. In fact, 11 of the Magic's 33 field goal attempts were made by Evan Fournier. So he was the go-to guy on offense. Memphis stuck Tony Allen on him late in the game to try and get get him out, get him out of the out of rhythm. Still made shots at the end, kept the Magic in the game, kept the Magic in the lead until they finally succumbed to the pressure. Jeff Green, surprisingly, a, a pretty good game offensively. 14 points, five for eight shooting. Um, had a nice run going in the fourth quarter as the Magic built their lead, uh, and it, that was back when the Magic were like, "Oh, you know, they're going to win this game." And it's going because of Jeff Green having the revenge game. They stuck Tony Allen on him, shut him down. He was done, and defensively, he really, really struggled, I think, tonight. Um, Was not good on closeouts, specifically. Uh, I was not impressed with the way that he played defense tonight, and and it was ultimately a liability uh, for the Magic late in the game. 
Uh, Nikola Vucevic had 18 points off the bench, 11 rebounds as well, continues his tear. Really, really good uh, play from Nikola Vucevic throughout the night. Um, we'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit more on him probably next week as he's, his offense has really come along. He's averaging a double-double even though he's coming off the bench. He's had rebounds now in, I believe, eight straight uh, double-digit rebounds now in eight straight games, so he's really found his groove within this offense. Even within this new role, he's really found his groove. Uh, is starting to make shots at a little bit better clip. Uh, tonight didn't shoot the ball as well as he could have, of course. Missed a couple of really open, really good open shots that, that he needs to make. Uh, but Vucevic is a guy you can trust on the offensive end once again. And, and his defense has been significantly better. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. But when I think about this game, I do think about it in the context of the last four years. And if you're if you're a long time if you're not even a long time Magic fan if you're a Magic fan you remember what happened the last time the Magic went to Memphis last year. In that game they had I think what was it a six point lead with about a minute to play, and they lost it and lost the game. They lost it in overtime actually. Uh, there's an inbounds turnover that led to a Jeff Green runner that tied the game up, sent it to overtime. There have been countless number of losses just like that in the last four years. There was a game in Cleveland a few years ago that the Magic had a stati- that statistically the Magic had a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning, and they lost that game, and it was a perfect storm of giving up a four point play, inbounds turnover, uh, another inbounds turnover, missed shot, missed shot that was taken too early in the shot clock, missing free throws. I think they did miss some free throws in that in that run. It was just a house of horrors and just a. St- a statistical anomaly that they lost that game. And I'm sure if I plugged it into, into InPredict, which I'm going to do while I'm talking right now, um, if I plugged it into InPredict, I'm sure the Magic would have had a ridiculous amount, uh, a ridiculous chance to win the game uh, on Thursday. There are other losses just like that. Giving up a twenty-point lead at home to Charlotte last year with a team that's that's trying to fight for the playoffs, and that was bitterly disappointing because of the uh, because of the way that the Magic were were playing and, and what was at stake for the Magic. Um, just so everyone is is aware, the Magic at one point had a ninety. 9.2% chance of winning. Up 84 to 71 with 612 to play. Memphis's win probability was down to 0.8%. So the Magic had a very good chance of winning this game. And even even with 109 left, up 94 to 90, Memphis only had a 7.4% chance to win. So the Magic did some work to lose this game. That's that's just the fact of the matter. And this is, of course, uh, according to Inpredictable.com, which does live uh, win probabilities during games. The Magic have had so many games, just like this one, in the last four years, where they seem to grab defeat from the jaws of victory. 
there, I mean, you probably see me make the joke on Twitter. It's not a magic game until there's an inbounds turnover. And it's because of games like this. There's a game against Chicago a few years ago where the Magic needed to give up a four-point play to Derrick Rose and have an over-and-back violation in order to lose that game. It was a six-point lead, I think, with 30 seconds to play. Just like tonight, these are impossible margins to, to lose. And so what was supposed to be different about this team is the Magic got those veteran players that supposedly knew how to win and knew how to close games. They got these players that would get them over the top. And they wouldn't have these problems. They wouldn't have these impossible defeats. And yet here we are on December 2nd, 2016. The Magic facing one of these impossible defeats. Now, games like this happen. They, they do happen. It's, it's not, obviously, it's not a statistical improbability, impossibility. It's just very improbable. But what's frustrating, I think, for the Magic is the fact that now they've changed coaches and they've changed a lot of personnel. Not all personnel, but they've changed a lot of personnel. And yet, the same thing happened again. Turnovers. Missed shots. Poor execution. Poor defense. Just the perfect storm to lose these games. And, you know, I sat there, I sat there and I'm thinking about who this Magic team is trying to be. The Magic who this Magic team is, for now, let's say. They're a tough-minded defensive team. They keep the scores low because they have to, because they can't score themselves. They don't have a lot of shooting, and so they try to generate their offense through their defense. Their defense is what they hang their hat on, and as Frank Vogel has said throughout this road trip, defense always travels. And the Magic continue to play very strong defense. Uh, I, I, you know, They're top five defense in the league. That, that part is true. Those are facts. Yet, when push came to shove in this game with a 13-point lead, this isn't something you can blame the offense for. And yeah, the offense needed to continue scoring and, and uh, you know, you get outscored, what is it, 24-10 to 10 in the final six and a half minutes. This is still, this isn't about the offense not being able to score enough. This is about a mentality of you're not going to catch us when we're up 13. We have confidence that even if we even if we go into a drought, you're not going to hit that mark. And that's something all kind of one-dimensional defensive teams have to have. I found it very interesting that the team that the Magic lost this lead to was the Memphis Grizzlies. Because for the longest time, the Grizzlies were very much like the Magic a team that didn't have three-point shooters, who defied all conventional logic and thinking in the NBA today to win basketball games. They did it with defense. They did it with heart. They did it with grit, you know, grit and grind. They, they did it all these, all these ways, and it didn't matter how little they scored. Their defense always kept you, kept you lower than them, and they either found a way to win late uh, on, on execution or they, they beat you up enough that, that you didn't have it. And it's this intangible feeling that I think the Magic are missing right now. Yes, statistically, they are a very good defensive team. And for very long stretches now, they stymie opponents. They do not allow them to score. They make life very difficult for them. But at the same time, 
it doesn't feel like they have that grittiness that a team like the Grizzlies has. Even with David Fisdale coming in and changing the Grizzlies' offense a little bit, you know, making them spread the floor a little bit. With the skeleton crew that they had, they had a lot of toughness and showed a lot of heart. Tony Allen changed the game on his own in that fourth quarter with just his defense. Just getting steals, getting out in transition. Going to that press, and again, like, I, I wrote this in, in the sidebar that'll that'll be up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com today. The win could have turned on just about anything, like I said. Like like in Predictable said, there's, there's a 99.2% chance of the Magic winning the game. Nikola Vucevic makes his three with 20 seconds left. We're sitting here saying, the Magic did enough, they won the game. They, they, they took care of business. Uh, if the Magic break that press the first time, maybe Fizdale backs off. Or they have the confidence to break that press rather than, oh, oh, you know, damn, we, we turned the ball over. We, we got to worry about this now. The Magic just were on the back foot from the point that Memphis really started pressuring and pressing them on defense until the end of the game. It never felt like the Magic had the same kind of control over the game and all the momentum shifted to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies... Did not do not have the same amount of talent the Magic have. The Grizzlies had a lot more heart, a lot more energy, a lot more hustle. They knew they were up against it the entire game. And, you know, even as the Magic struggled with them in the first half, there was still this sense that, very much like the game against the Raptors the previous night from Memphis, that if they just waited them out, they just kept grinding... They kept sticking to their game plan. They, they kept staying committed. They would wear them down because they just did not have the talent or the horses to make it to the end of the race. Now, that's not necessarily the way you want to play. You want, I think the Magic want to impose their will defensively a lot more. And that's something they haven't been able to do at all this season despite their strong defense. And so, I think when, you know, I'm... I'm I'm still a little bit more of an optimist with this Magic team. I, I'm not like, you know, I think the defense is for real. The offense certainly has some very real issues, but with the way the Magic play defense, they should have enough to win games. At the same time, though, I think it's clear to all of us that something is missing, that something is amiss. And I'm not, you know, and I think some of it is certainly personnel and the Magic have to resolve some of these personnel issues. But I also think some of it is something innate in this team that they either haven't discovered about themselves or just isn't part of their culture and identity. And I do think that this is something that does need to be part of their identity as a defensive team. They just don't have this innate toughness, this innate grittiness right now to go out and take games away. And I think we maybe see, saw this in some of those blowouts. When the Magic lost by 30 twice, they didn't have the fight to make it a game. Memphis very easily could have quit on this game. Down 14 with six and a half minutes to go, second night of a back-to-back. They could have very easily packed it in and said, good try, good effort. Instead, they kept fighting. And what did the Magic do? The Magic took the punch and staggered back. And Memphis sensed that. And Memphis 
has a deeply ingrained culture. They have a lot of young guys who are hungry to prove themselves. They got a coach who's got championship experience, and they got players who have proven part and have set this culture for a very, very long time in Memphis. And Orlando got staggered back and kept staggering back and kept staggering back and kept staggering back. And until the Magic can do what Memphis did to them, their, their, their identity is going to be incomplete. And honestly, more than anything else, this might be the thing that's holding the Magic back. This intangible quality. You know, I'm a stats guy. I, I like to, I like my assertions to be backed up with facts, and stats are very easily accessible facts. This isn't something statistics-based. This is something that each player has to kind of look inside himself and say, or a leader on the team needs to be needs to pull guys up. And I think that's been a big issue with the Magic throughout this rebuild is they've never really had strong leadership. They've had guys who've kind of been forced into leadership roles, but never, you know, really could do anything to both lead by example and by deed and by and by voice. And so just this game brought up a lot of bad memories of the last four years. Highlighted a lot of the problems from the last four years. And I think some of the Magic's problems haven't been solved the way that we thought they were. And I think that's that's something that this game highlights in a very, very real way and, and is a reminder that there's still a lot of work to do, even if the Magic have established the defense that they want to establish. Even if the Magic have increased the talent and made the team better in some way. 7-12 and 12 doesn't seem better, but um, it's, it is what it is. I think, again, just like I said after Tuesday's game, Tuesday's win doesn't mean anything if the Magic lose on Thursday night. And certainly the message remains mixed especially after the way after the way they they uh they played on Thursday. I think Friday's game against Philadelphia is going to say a lot about this team. They need to come out with fire and they need to prove that they have this innate quality that can make them a playoff team, that can make them more than what they are right now. Obviously, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot that's a lot to take in. I think I think that's a very big thought that that I that I've ha- that I've had on on this team. And so, um, you know, we're it, like I, I always say this road trip is always a big turning point for the Orlando Magic. It's always a big uh, the December road trip. It's usually out west, but this in this case, it's an East Coast road trip. This is always a big big character revealing moment for the Magic. And so I think we are learning a little bit more about this Magic team's character on this road trip. We've seen how good they can be, and we can see still how frustratingly inconsistent they can be. And that makes Friday's game all the more important. What is good for me uh, looking at this team from a from more of a micro um, perspective is that it does appear that one of the Magic's big investments this year is beginning to pan out. Um, you know, I've had some some people ask me questions um, you know, I've, I've been able to interact with some people nationally, and narratives get set very weirdly nas- nationally. Um, you know, it's it's funny talking to some people who 
probably don't watch the Magic as as much as certainly not as much as I do, and certainly not as much as some of us do that that are down here in Orlando. Uh, but to have these ideas about how the Magic should play and and what what things are, and you know Mario Zoni is obviously a big one on that front. But um, you know, one thing I think that that has begun to emerge very very quickly in the last two three weeks is that. Serge Ibaka is delivering exactly what the Magic want from him. Uh, he has really turned things around in the last few weeks, and I think that that's really, really important for the Magic as they continue to develop their identity because defensively, he's done some very nice things. For the season, Serge Ibaka's averaged 14.4 points and 6.8 rebounds per game, as well as 1.8 blocks per game. Blocks are about the same as last year. Uh, the rebounds are about the same, are actually the same as last year, essentially. Points are up. Field goal percentage is about the same. Three-point percentage is up to 42.1%. Ibaka, he, maybe he hasn't expanded his game offensively as much as we would have liked to see. Would have liked to see. Um, I think Frank Vogel's done a good job since his early struggles um, a few weeks ago to reduce the number of post-ups he has, get him in spots that he's more likely to score, do more pick-and-pops with him. Uh, there's actually one sequence in Thursday's game that I really liked. Uh, they ran a pick and roll with Serge Ibaka, with Evan Fournier and Serge Ibaka. Ibaka came along along Evan's left side. Uh, Evan drove. Ibaka popped out to the right. Fournier had a straight line to the basket. Gasol stepped up, and then Fournier dropped it off to Vucevic for a dunk on the left block, from the left block. So that was a very good play design that used Ibaka's popping ability as well as Vucevic's ability around the basket, and I'm sure you could flip those and have Vucevic set that screen and Ibaka you know, kind of flare flare out on the wing or die or dive in as well, depending on on how the defense reacts to Fournier's drive. That's part of the versatility that the Magic wanted in Ibaka, and he's really shown that uh, so far this year. Now, taking a closer look at things with Ibaka as well in his last ten games. So, last ten games, I believe, includes Oklahoma City. Uh, let me. Let me double. Let me think about this a little bit here. Um, whatever, the, whatever the case is, in his last ten games, Ibaka is up to sixteen point one points per game, fifty percent shooting, forty one point seven percent from the line, two point four blocks per game, two point four blocks per game, and eight point zero rebounds per game. Those stats are more like the Serge Ibaka the Magic thought they were getting, or certainly the Serge Ibaka the Magic wanted to get in the Victor Oladipo trade. Now, I know Oladipo is still very much a fan favorite. He's had some very nice performances in Oklahoma City, but Ibaka has really helped set the tone defensively. He did some very good things defensively uh, in Thursday's game against the Grizzlies. He's been a rock defensively uh, for the last couple weeks, Um, and this is really just a stunning turnaround almost from the first two weeks of the season when he really looked like he was struggling to, to find his fit defensively. I don't know if the Magic changed things schematically for him, if they simplified things for him, or if things just clicked. And I think generally for this whole defense, things really clicked for this group. Um, Ibaka is playing with a ton of aggression and beginning to look like the player the Magic wanted in that deal. Um, I, 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 I don't know what level he needs to get, whether he needs to bump up that 16.1 points per game to 20 at some point. Um, I, I don't know if Ibaka is that kind of player. Occasionally, yeah, he needs to score that much. Uh, but he's really kind of found a comfort zone with this team, and I think that's really, really important for for the Magic moving forward. Uh, they don't need him to be what he was against Oklahoma City every night. 
Uh, but a game like he had against Memphis should generally get the job done for him. I mean, I don't think he... I mean, he missed a, a bunch of shots that he probably normally would make. He got some open threes that he missed. Uh, but he was put in the right spots. He was given the opportunities that the Magic want him to have in the offense. And this season, especially in the last two, two or so weeks, he's really, uh, really done what the Magic have asked him to do. Uh, and defensively, he's been... Very strong as well. Uh, let me pull up his overall season defensive numbers uh, from Basketball Reference real fast. You can probably tell that I'm stalling as I type this into my computer. Uh, but uh, overall this season, uh, like I said, his, his his season average numbers are are about the same as they were. Uh, after starting the year so far down on defensive box plus minus, he's up to .7, which would be a career low for him, but I imagine that number is going to continue to creep up as more numbers get added to the sample size, and of course, as the Magic continue to play extremely well on the defensive end. He's helped Nikola Vucevic defensively too. Nikola Vucevic has done a good job on his own, but uh, but having Ibaka there has helped him tremendously as well, and Vucevic has, has gobbled up a lot of rebounds on his end too. So, sitting here 20 games into the season, or almost 20 games into the season, so about a quarter of the way through the year actually, uh, it's beginning to look like the Magic are getting what they want out of Serge Ibaka. It's beginning to look like Serge Ibaka has delivered on what the Magic have asked him to do and created been a good return on investment for the Magic, uh, frankly, uh, for what they gave up. And again, like I've said before, it was really just Victor Oladipo. I don't think the Magic had much interest in keeping another rookie around, and they weren't keeping Arsano Yusova anyway, so I don't think they feel like they lost a lot. I think they gave up Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, essentially. Um, that trade is going to continue to get rehashed as the rest of the season moves on. But at this point, Serge Ibaka is playing about as well as he's played in the last two, three seasons, at least statistically. His PER is up to 17.0, uh, a really solid number. Uh, his block rate's about the same. Uh, his rebounding rate is about the same. Uh, his scoring has, got, has gone up a little bit too. So, you know, I think the Magic can look at Serge Ibaka's play and feel very, very happy with how he's played. Now, again, I, like I said, I think there's that intangible bit that the Magic may need a little bit more from Ibaka. They brought him in specifically because he had that championship experience from Oklahoma City or, or that conference finals experience from Oklahoma City and hope that he can maybe be a little bit more of a, a leader, perhaps, on the team. Um, I think that's probably still the hope, and I would hope that that he's talking to the guys and, and continuing to stay in people's ears and and you know, sharing his experience and say, and hopefully doing stuff on the court to push the magic forward and offense isn't his forte, which makes it harder for him to do that. But, um, you know, I would hope that on, uh, on Friday night, he has as a big, a big game again to, to really set an example for the team and, and help them recover from, from Thursday's loss. But we'll, we'll see beyond that. I, I, I think it's just important to take a moment and point out that after starting off the season really, really poorly, and I was going through some of my mailbag questions because I'm getting ready to do a mailbag on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, uh, you know, I, I had banked up some, some mailbag questions about Ibaka and how much he struggled. And if you look back at what he did those first two weeks, it was a major struggle um, for him, and he did not look good. Now, all of a sudden, he does look very, very good. And I think that that is a that's why the Magic, at, even at seven and twelve, feel a little bit more stable than they did, you know, a few weeks ago when they were three and six. Certainly, when they're zero and three when they started the season, 
they feel a lot more stable. And I think once they get the offense kind of in sync and together, uh, again, their defense is good enough that they'll they'll compete with just about anybody. And I think Ibaka has been a big part of that. I want to thank everyone again for listening to Locked On Magic podcast this week. Another kind of longish episode. I apologize for that. Um, had a great conversation this week with Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs as we previewed Tuesday's game against the Spurs as well as recapped it on Wednesday's episode. If you want to go back and listen to those in the archives, go check us out on Audio Boom, iTunes, TuneIn, and, St- and Stitcher. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well, and we do appreciate all the positive reviews. I appreciate all the feedback I've been getting about the podcast. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed doing it, even if I have to stay up a little bit later to, to do it. Um, I'm looking forward to a weekend, a couple weekend of two big Magic games, of course. Every Magic game feels like it's a big game, uh, to me at least, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to this weekend's games. We'll have a complete recap of those on Monday, as well as more goodies on the Orlando Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you on Monday. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.